friends, Jai Guru, and welcome to another episode of the Chela to Chela podcast, featuring interviews and conversations with disciples of our sweet Gurudev, Paramahansa Yoganandaji. The Chela to Chela podcast is brought to you by Soul Calls Infinity, a non-profit, devotee-run organization dedicated to inspiring an ever-deeper, sweeter, devotional communion with the divine and to that end each podcast also features one of the soul calls music meditations i'm your host brenda roberts and in season two along with uniquely inspiring stories of how i found master we will be hearing a number of different approaches to applying the teachings in daily life and we'll see how Guruji guides each according to their temperament, lessons to be learned, and services to be shared. And speaking of services to be shared, devotees in all walks of life are doing a lot of good in the world. And as we get to know a little bit more about some of them through the Chela to Chela podcast, it gives us an opportunity to support them with our prayers, our goodwill, and perhaps even with our resources and business connections. Joining together to help make the world a better place by our prayers for all of creation, by support for our fellow disciples, and through our individual Kriya Yoga practice. At the end of the podcast, I'll tell you how you can get to the free private access pages to connect further with our guests. Before we enter this next episode, let us listen to this quote of Guruji. Master said in the autobiography, Hundreds of thousands, not dozens merely, of Kriya Yogis are needed to bring into manifestation the world of peace and plenty that awaits men when they have made the proper effort to reestablish their status as sons of the Divine Father. So, dear ones, let us walk a little closer together now, ever affirming it's a wonderful life with Guruji in it. At thy feet, so deep within, I feel your peace. And I begin to remember my own true home. And today we have with us Jay Fishman, 
Welcome, Jay. Thanks for coming on. How are you today, Brenda? I'm happy to be talking with you, and we've got a lot to talk about because uh, we've known each other for years, so this should be a pretty interesting podcast session. Um, but for those who don't know you, as I do, or even know you, um, where are you? Where do you live? I live in Valley Center, California, next to the Hidden Valley Men's Ashram. Okay. Okay, well, you've got a lot of people around the world saying ooh and ah, and aren't you blessed? I'm blessed. Yes, yes. And, and where do you attend services, Jay? I attend services at the Escondido Temple. Uh-huh. And uh, I've known you for years and years, and I know that you really do more than attend services. You do a lot of service there. Could you tell us a little bit about what you do at Escondido Center? Well, currently, I'm the coordinator of the center, and this, this center is really like a temple because it's comprised of very, very long-standing SRF devotees, and their spiritual stature to me is exceptional. I feel I'm, I'm in the company of saints every time I'm there. And for reasons that maybe we'll get into later, we're in the process of building a very, very brand new, lovely temple for Guruji. Fantastic. So um, that brings up a, a note of, the work seems to be exploding, doesn't it? Everybody, I mean, there's so many, so much building going on, and the devotees are are expanding the the work tremendously, isn't it? Well, as as you know, Master said we're in a new age, a new yuga, and in this yuga, the ability to feel and relate to spiritual things is much, much more amplified than in the previous yuga. And um, people want to experience God. And one of the first things that Master wrote was how you can talk to God, the science of religion, how to talk to God. Who talked about these things in the 1920s and 30s? And because of that unbelievable perfect way of expressing how to talk to God, Master gave us the ability in our own ways to be holy, to be saintly at intermittent times. And we've spent our lifetime trying to be saintly all the time. I mean, that's our goal, trying to be saintly all the time, not just in outward behavior, but in inward communion. Well, well, this outward behavior and inward communion um, really is a topic I wanted to go to with you because you are a very successful and have been a very successful um, business person in the world and yet so deeply devoted to Guruji and his work. And for a lot of us, that's a tremendous um, balancing act. It's a tremendous 
struggle sometimes and and the growth that comes from it of course is is tremendous but not only that you're married in SRF and you've brought up a family so I want to talk about all of that with you Jay so let's go to the the big question Jay and then we'll go to the family and the business and the and the spiritual balancing act so share with us how did you find Guruji? It was in 1974, my last year of university, where I was finishing up my requirements for physical education, i.e. gym. And I chose weightlifting. And, and as with a lot of things in my life, I, I did it a little bit in an overzealous fashion. <laughs> and I ended up hurting myself. And the, you, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I was laughing. I didn't hear you, so tell me again. You, you uh, hurt yourself? I, yeah, I hurt myself. And the, the instructor gave me a pass in the class. It was a pass-fail anyway. And I went to one of my close friends who was studying to be a doctor, and I said, well, I'm all built up with all this muscle, and I can't lift these weights anymore. What should I do? He said to me, you should do yoga yoga what's yoga and he goes why don't you go to the library and and look through the books so i went to the library and i started to look through the card catalog you know the card catalog i do i do because that's how i found guruji's book also and i didn't find guruji's book first of all i found a book on hatha yoga called the hatha yoga Pradipika, which I said, okay, it's some Hatha Yoga book. And I took it out. It turned out to be the version of Hatha Yoga that leads to mystical realization. And I started to read this book. If you practice this asana, you get this power, the city power. You practice that, you get that city power. And I was a big sci-fi comic book guy. And I said, oh, my God, you know, I could have this power. I could be Professor X, you know. Oh, my God, I could be the Adam. I can be Gigantor. I could be anything. And um, I started to practice these things like crazy, you know, like crazy. And all of my friends, all of a sudden, lost, like, their best buddy, the life of the party. And they, and they made a concerted effort to get me back to quote unquote normal, you know, mm. normal. Mm. And um, they succeeded, you know, they succeeded. And one of my friends, after I read the Hatha Yoga Padikpa, he said to me, you should read the autobiography of a yogi. And at this point, these books like that were in a specialty bookstore. And I, and I went to a specialty bookstore. I saw the book. It was under Yogananda. It was on the very bottom shelf. And I saw a master's picture. But I didn't have two bucks to buy it. I didn't have two bucks. And um, so I didn't buy it. And life got more, for lack of a better word, debauched. Uh, and um, I sort of forgot about all this. And when I went back home, for the, when I graduated, went back home, 
and I was no longer with all my friends in that environment, my next door neighbor said, have you read the autobiography of a yogi? And I go, you're the second person. And I went to the bookstore that sold that in New York City, Wiser's bookstore. I bought the autobiography of yogi, and I'm not a big reader. Two days I finished it. And I go, I've met my guru. And from that moment on, it was like fire. Just like, this is what I'm here for. God realization. Wow. And um, it's fantastic. No, it's fantastic. So that's, um, that's my story on how I met Master in this home. Very good, very good. And, and so did you just stay um, with the path? You got Kriya right away or? I got, I, I got Kriya in, in um, 40 weeks. I, I was all over that. You know? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I was all over that. Uh, I went to see Brother Mokshananda when he came to New York. You know, I said, hey, I want you to give me Kriya. Well, let me add. He would say to me, what's your progress with Hong So I'm, I'm practicing that all day long, you know, and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And, you know, I, I can't wait to have this technique, you know, and he said, okay, well, we'll make an exception for you. I think he made that exception for a lot of people. And, um, and then when I got Korea, I said, oh my God, in three years, I'm going to be God realized. I'm going to practice this thing like it's nobody's business. And then in three years came. In six years, I want to be God realized. I'm going to practice, continue practicing like it's nobody's business. And then six years came. In 12 years. And then when 12 years came, I said, you know what? I think I got a lot more work to do than I imagined. <laughs> oh, gosh. I think so many of us that have been on the path for a long time have that, you know, initial, okay, three years and I'm out of here. Okay, six. Okay, 12. I don't even know where I am. I might be on the 48. (laughs) (laughs) But but we do know, we both do know that master has us and it's going to happen. We've seen more than glimpses of the divine. We've felt it. We've experienced it. We've lived it. We've loved it. And it keeps us coming back for more and more and more. And he gives us more and more and more as we can handle it. We've totally surrendered to that. So yes. that's been the whole beauty of it. Yes. And, and learn to, to not only live the life, but loving to live the life with Guruji. Yeah, absolutely. All absolutely. right. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. So tell okay. us about your family. This is, this is a fantastic question <laughs> um, because it really starts with finding your mate. It starts with finding your mate. And in the West, we're trained to go to beauty like a moth goes to flame. And Master flipped that and said, go to soul qualities and then go to mental and emotional affinity and last go to beauty. So, and I I found a young lady who um, just matched, her name is Leslie. She liked to meditate. 
She was a member. She liked to meditate. She loved nature. She wanted to have the same type of family life that I wanted to. And, um, Guruji says start with friendship, and it sounds like that's very much what you did as well. Yes, yeah, that's exactly what it was. And we started with friendship, we started with meditation, and um, serving at the temple in Northern California, used to be the Richmond Temple, and that was our life. We went to meditations um, three, four times a week, and then we served at the temple one or two times a week on off days. Um, when you get a small taste of spiritual love versus human love, spiritual joy versus human joy, spiritual peace versus relaxation that comes from worldly relaxing events, you realize that they're super normal. They're, they're better than normal. And the more you do those type of things, the more you want to do it. And my relationship with Leslie has been, we're both motivated by the very, very same force, that force that draws us to spirit. So we got married in 1984. So we're going on 35 years of marriage. And um, we, we both wanted to have a family. And one of the things that we decided upon was when we raise our family, we'd speak with one voice. We'd speak wow. with one voice. Wow, that's an important uh, get-go decision, isn't it? Uh, it was a get-go decision. One voice, no contradiction, no behind the back, oh, he doesn't know or she doesn't know, we'll do this, we'll do that. One voice. Wow. The, the second thing, or I, I should really say this was the first thing, parents, expecting parents, parents who think of having children, they have goals for their children. I want my child to be a better musician than me. I want my child to be a better intellect, business person, artist, than me. I want my, they, they have it. it. It comes with them. Um, and and it, whether they know it or not, they push these sort of energies on their child, even before the child's born. All that Leslie and I wanted was Kriya bonds. My, my commitment to my children was I was going to do everything possible to make the spiritual life appealing to them okay but now you're, you're getting to a question that immediately popped up into my mind and i think we should talk about it a little more because it can be misleading um you also had a desire for your children and you also pushed for it and that was that they be a creabon now where where is the free will for the child and you know what constitutes pushing as opposed to the word you just use making it appealing to them. How okay. do you do that without pushing? Okay. The push part, the push part came before they were conceived in, in, the, in the cognition of inviting the soul to live in this family. 
That's where the push came. That's where okay, the Okay, so you, let, me, let me interrupt you so that I understand and so any listeners that are as dense as me can't get it. Um, so what you're saying is that um, what, before conception, you put an intent out and a desire and a, and a request to bring Creobonds into your family so you could support them in that effort? Absolutely. I want to get to this this point because I don't think we've quite quite got there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hearing that <clears throat> you uh, were not willy nilly about having kids, and that you intentionally um, put out an invitation to souls that would um, appreciate the spiritual uh, life that you and God could provide for them. But where where is the where is the freedom? I mean, when you do, when you put out that desire and kids come to you, do you not have an expectation that they're going to behave in this way and that way? Because, and I ask this because I think it's a tremendous pressure on kids that are born into SRF by the families that want them to be saints and creobonds. Okay, you said you said something there. Want them to be saints and creobonds. My, my feeling about the Kriya Yoga path for not only my children, but for everyone involved, is that the evolution goes on at the rate that Master wants it to go on. And there is- For our a, highest good. For our highest good. Mm-hmm. For our highest good. Um, and that, that type of orchestration of everyone's individual symphony is what the guru does. And, you know, this, this fact, this is a fact, is, is washed away a lot of times by excess enthusiasm, um, repulsion, to things that are happening in life that people don't want to do. And, and thus, instead of surrendering and letting the orchestra leader change the tempo, change what part of the orchestra is playing, whether it's the, the woodwinds or the strings, people try to force things. I never did that with my children. There was no need to force it was just the need to bring divine love to the fore and let them feel the difference between divine love, human love, divine joy, human joy, divine peace, um, worldly related peace. And the best way to do that is to expose them to both. Theoretically, if you're, if you're pushing for saintliness, you would try to chop the equation in half and only say, oh, just be like this, just be like this, just be like this. There was never any of that. There was never any, there was never any curtailment of activity. There was just that opening that came when the worldly activity disappointed to say, well, if you juxtapose that with the spiritual counterpart, which do you feel what is better for your long-term 
heart's growth, mind's growth, or soul's growth. Okay, Jay, thank you for that. I, I think what's coming out here is no matter what, how it manifests, what's underneath all of what you've been sharing with us is that you were conscious, again, from the get-go of living a life for God and doing the best you can. And, and that entails doing the best you can and leaving the timing and results to God. And that is such a core, isn't it? It's a core issue. Um, and if, if we can grasp that and then apply it to all the areas of our life, um, Guruji won't have quite so hard a time with us. <laughs> well, Brenda, you have um, obviously you hit the nail on the head. And, and part of the reason I'm sitting here with you is to try and lessen the pain for others who go through this journey when they're trying to force things that they're not either ready to receive, it's not appropriate for them to receive, and just giving people permission to let Master do his job. This isn't laying down and, and doing nothing and becoming a vegetable. It's, it's fine-tuning your intuition so, so that you could feel, um, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yes, and that's, that's done. Do. Master says intuition comes from, from meditation and from tuning in. Um, you know, there, there is so much to talk with you about because I'm, I'm thinking you've been very active in Sunday school and the youth program when it used to be the other way rather than a day program. And so you're very much involved in, in caring for youth. And um, if we spend a lot of time talking about that, we won't get to the rest of the things, but it's, I wanted to mention that because you've been an influence. And if you're like my husband, who actually started, he was the first Sunday school wow. teacher. Um, and, uh, you know, he had, later sees the grandchildren. Oh, my, my grandmother went to Sunday school with you. It's like, whoa, you get that. Yeah, that, or my my dad went to Sunday school with you. It's uh, it's an amazing um, view of of the growth of SRF there too. Okay, so tell me, you um, you married, you had the children, you did that. Now let's go to the work in the world because okay. um, you emanate success. You've been very. Um, instrumental in um, getting the Escondido Center property. Um, so you've been successful, you've been serviceful, and you have uh, given back. So let's talk about your the key to your success and also the balance between uh, that struggle of being in the world but not of it. Okay. Um, I'll start more or less at the beginning. Okay, great. My father cajoled me to go work with him. Last thing I wanted to do. Last thing I wanted to do. But, you know, if I wanted to put gasoline in the car, it's something I had to do. And I went to work with him. And 
within six months, he died. And my mother came to me and said, you have to take over this business. I go, I don't know how to take over this business. Oh my goodness. I, I, I've just been like, you know, getting him coffee and, and, and running errands and stopping in Catholic churches all the time to have long meditations. <laughs> I, I, I was really not a good worker. Um, uh, and, um, and she said, no, you could do it or else we're going to be destitute. I said, no, I said, we won't be destitute. And, and well, needless to say, she prevailed. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this. And I made early on a compact with master. I said, I'll do it, but you have to really do it. And you have to help me. Um, back in those days, there were no cell phones. So I would get up in the morning and I had a specific role to play. And I would not leave that house until I meditated a couple of hours. And my business partner was always trying to get me, but there was no cell phone. So, you know, you, could, you couldn't track someone down. And I would do my thing and people feeling the spiritual vibration, I'm not extolling myself in this, they would always want to do things for me out of, oh, your dad died, we'll help you, or this or that. And um, that business quadrupled in sales and, and, and much, much greater profitability in the four years I had to do that. And almost exclusively, I, um, I followed Master's Credo, God first, family second, and business third. Mm. Uh, and I wasn't married at that time, but my family was my SRF family. And, um, and I always gave it to him. I always gave him credit for it. it. It was like he was my unspoken partner in business. And I shared my prosperity with him very, very willingly. So after I fulfilled that obligation, I, um, I, I, I had nothing really to do. So circumstances conspired to get me to move to California. And, it, and I, not only did I meet my wife, Leslie, in Northern California, but um, I got a call from a fellow devotee asking me to do a business thing. Why? Because I was one of the few people in this organization who did a business thing successfully in the past. So I did it. That, that thing just grew and grew and grew and still grows. And I still follow that same credo. Um, there is nothing more important than your meditation in the morning. And there's nothing more important than your meditation at night. And why be shy about what you believe in? inside of yourself. If people want to know, tell them. If they show an interest, give them an autobiography of a yogi. Make your spiritual life part of your business experience so that people interact with you on a higher level. It's not just talking to you about politics and sports and other mundane things. They're talking to you about very, very deep things and you're helping to awaken them. So in essence, your sadhana 
your spiritual life doesn't get compartmentalized. Mm. There's no need to compartmentalize it. Live it, breathe it, share it. If it's brought you so much joy, and it brought me so much joy. Okay, Jay. So uh, am I to understand that you had no struggles in the balance between your spiritual life and your business life? You had no people that were hard to deal with. You had no dry, hard times. Oh, I, I sure did. Can you um, tell sure I did. Um, I'll, I'll tell you about that. Okay. Um, when, when I, after I was married and I, I was sort of like, like, there's this tendency I'll stay home, I'll garden, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll meditate all the time and uh, we'll, we'll live meagerly off my savings and, and everything will be fine. And uh, after my second child was born, my, my wife looked at me and said, you know, I don't think this is going to work. I think, <laughs> I think you need to get a job. So I did. And the work I ended up doing was in the fresh produce universe and I had to wake up at 1 a.m. Now, I didn't wake up at midnight, meditate an hour, and then go to work at 1 a.m. I woke up at 1 a.m. and I went right to work. Now, here, this, this is fascinating because from 1 a.m. to 8 a.m. when I meditated, all I could think about was, I can't wait to meditate. I can't wait to meditate. I can't wait to meditate. I mean, it's like, it's like a coffee drinker's desire for coffee exponentially multiplied. And um, I was always tired because of these crazy hours. But boy, I had so much spiritual experience because, you know, Master just blessed me for doing this craziness that I did. And um, now you asked me about hard people. I was dealing with the crudest, rudest, most unsavory folks going. Plus, they're half in their subconscious mind because they're not getting any sleep either. And always trying to egg me on, always trying to get me to like um, come down to their level. And so you're saying to yourself, what, did you stay on that spiritual level all the time? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It, because it was all right there, that thin veil of, to my subconscious. I was so tired all the time. And they puncture it with their entreaties, and I would just go off into their universe. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'd reprimand myself. And, and that, by the way, is, is I'm sure what Master meant when he said environment is stronger than willpower. Um, listen, it was, it was a lot stronger than willpower. And, um, <laughs> no, it was. And, and the, the beauty of when Master said, a saint is a sinner who never gave up, I, if, I could, if I could magically find a way for everyone who starts this process early in their life to absorb this statement for what it means, basically, we're going to mess up. We're going to fall down. We're going to get muddy. The question is, do you get up 
wash yourself off and continue going forward? Or do you decide to lay there and wallow? Mm -hmm. And the great ones get up, stand up, brush off the dross and say, I don't care. I'm going forward. They don't go into their meditation and go, oh, I'm such an unworthy person. I did this today. I did that today. No. They go into their meditation as a sparkling, shiny soul saying, I love you, God. I want to be with you, God. As if none of that ever happened. Because the reinforcement in our consciousness of negative behaviors with negative emotions creates a much stronger pattern of repeat. And the repeat just keeps you from your soul's identity. Mm, interesting, interesting, yes. And it, it reminds me of an experience I had just last week. And it, it you know, when, when you get these aha moments, they kind of show you for a little loop. But I was really busy, and I went into the chapel to meditate, and as soon as I sat my body down, it was like this whole window of awareness opened up. And I saw that the person that was meditating was just that. It was that person that had all that outward consciousness come and sit down and now I have to meditate. And the erroneousness of that approach was so vivid. It's like, wait a minute. That's not who meditates. You know, the soul who loves God is sitting here, not that dizziness. And I don't know if I'm saying it so that it conveys the uh, uh, immense awareness of the difference of how I approach meditation. Of course, not all the time, but, you know, it was like, it was stunning, totally stunning. Um, what, what you just said is, it's right to the point. It's right to the point. And so circling back mm. to, to business, one of the things that I always felt was my prosperity was to be shared. It was to be shared in some form. And, and I always felt I was doing everything for master. This, this is, you know, this world is tough on some levels, especially with money. Because, you know, people ascribe to wealthy people things that they really shouldn't, that they're more intelligent, that they're more this, they're more that. They're not. What, what, that they're somehow better. Than they're better. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. They're not. <laughs> There's this, this, this whole consciousness of them being better. Master in the autobiography tells that lovely story about the postman, Brenda Pagat, who just grew and grew and grew in realization to a point where he was a notable scholar. And it, it, that's the glory, that's the grace, having that inner wealth and not the outer wealth, which it, it, it's more just a, a traping, it's a role um, that we play. Um, but people shouldn't be afraid of it. If, if you have the knack and, and money seems to come your way, um, definitely try to multiply that tendency and help others. 
instead of feeling that you're getting engulfed in this wave of, oh, material, I, oh, I don't want to be material. Get engulfed in this, how can I use this gift to help others? Okay, okay, really well said. Um, you know, earlier you said in, in your uh, first forays at business that you made a compact with God. And it immediately brought to mind another compact that you made that I know of, um, but I didn't want to interrupt this wonderful flow that has been there. But now I come back to it. What about the compact with Brother Dharmananda? I love this story. Well, I love this story too. As, as a matter of fact, when you said it, I got that very special tingling from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. My relationship with Brother Dharmananda, it, it, it was like he was my father. Um, I, I heard what one of the other podcast members said, and he was, he was like my father. There, there's no doubt about it. He took a, an interest in myself and in my family that was, um, was very paternal. And yet, and yet he kept his reverential distance as a monastic. So when we lived in the Bay Area, we had a, a large backyard. And on a Sunday afternoon, after we ate our lunch, I was washing dishes, looking outside the window at our backyard. And I had leased a little bit of the backyard to a friend of mine. The lease was negligible, maybe a dollar. And he grew dahlias. And he's walking Brother Dharmananda through his dahlia field. And I stopped washing the dishes. And I said, I'm going to go down and be with them. And I went down. And I said hello. And, and the, the gentleman kept saying, and this is starburst delight. <laughs> and, and, and this is moonlight on the ocean mist. And this is, and, and all of a sudden, Brother Dharmananda said to him, how would you like to have a race to Samadhi with me? And the fellow went, and this is flaming volcano burst. And this is beautiful autumn field speckled with, and I, it's like he didn't even hear him. And I tapped Brother Dharmananda on the shoulder. And I was walking behind him. And he turned around. And I said, you know, he's not interested in this race. But I'm interested in this race. <laughs> and, and Brother Dharmananda turned around. He extended his right hand. And I shook his hand. And he said, okay, may the best devotee win. Wow. And Is that, um, that the first time you met, Brother? No. No, no. We we were we were connected as minister and, and member uh -huh. at, at that time. Um, and he did a lot of counseling with me business wise because one of the gentlemen who I was in business with was really rough on me. So I, I, I needed help. So we um we parted companies right at that moment and I went right upstairs. And I wrote him a letter. I wrote him a letter. I said, I'm very, very 
thrilled to be in this race with you to mm -hmm. Simone. However, if it's a contest, it has to be fair. <laughs> and what that basically means is anything that you have and you know that gives you advantage, you have to share with me. <laughs> and if perchance it happens on my side, I promise to do the same too. Do you, will you abide by this rule? And uh, I, he was still out in the backyard. And, and I took the letter and I went to the mailbox and I mailed it to him back at Phoenix. So it would be there when he got there. Mm -hmm. And I got a letter back from him. He goes, I'm not supposed to write letters like this. This will be the only one you'll probably ever get from me. But I read your letter and I agree to your terms. <laughs> oh, that's a treasure. I have it still. Yeah, yeah plexiglass uh, that baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, um, and so that experience, that moment in time started to have ripple effects because I was always, I'm highly, when I'm in something, I'm in it. I'm not going to do something less than 100%. And I'm in this thing. And I'm on the phone with him. And I'm pushing through the barriers. He's, he's telling me what to do. You know? Um, he's telling me what to do. Not only as, as um, someone who's a, 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 who you're competing with, but really as my minister, as, as a representative master here on earth, trying to really help me get to the next level over and over and over again. Well, in this whole process, just like magnetically, other members started to be drawn into the circle. He invited them and I invited them. I said, I'm having, I was open about it. I'm having this race. I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. I, and they came and they came and they came and they came and they came. And it got to the point where when we moved down to Southern California and we were close to him, we were, we were going to build a little outside meditation gazebo. A gazebo, you know, seat the family, five people. And Leslie kept taking the plans to Brother Dharmananda, and he said, it's not big enough. It's not big enough. She ended up building like a chapel that seats 50 people. And once it was done, he started to have weekly meditations for men and women, women on Thursday and men on Friday, and the chapel would be packed. And you've attended these, and so have I. And basically, brother captured the restless mind and turned it spiritual and kept it on point for a complete hour and for those of you who meditate, you know where the mind goes. You know it's like a stampeding herd. But that hour it was captured. And at the end of that hour, you felt, oh my God, there's, there's more than hope for me. I'm, I'm almost there. Yes. And it was, a, it was a great gift to um, many, many, many people. Yes, okay. and Brother G was the forerunner of the guided meditations which are becoming more popular now more ministers are doing them they're on the srf website but at the time brother was doing 
it was almost um, heretical. <laughs> it was. It was verboten. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was. And the good news there for for um, those who are listening to this is that you know our our beloved president Sri Diamata was aware of this, and brother would send her recordings of what it was like. And she would say, no, do this, no, do that, do it this way, do it that way. And so she knew, um, she had the prescience and the ability to look into the future and she knew. And, you know, to this day, we have some of these tapes and we listen to them and they're just as spiritually invigorating as they were. Potent, absolutely potent. Yes. And and transformative. Transformative. Amazing. You know, this this whole experience of just talking to you just sets your heart on fire. You know, you, the gift that we've been given, this gift we've been given is, um, it's incomparable to anything that one could possibly ever hope to receive in life. And it's by this gift, you're talking about Guruji and the teaching. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, you know, Master asks us to just continue. Just continue. The key is consistency. It's consistency. Morning and night. Morning and night. Consistency. It's not jerky. Oh, I missed five. I, now I'll do a three-hour meditation. It's morning and night. Morning and night. And in that great, you know, Christian edict by Christ, love thy neighbor as you love yourself. Love God as you love yourself. Love God as you love yourself. And the rest comes naturally. The rest would just come naturally. So all of it, by the way, once again, the joy of doing this is, this has taken me a lifetime. When I first got involved, I wish I would have known all these things. And if um, in any way some of this sharing hastens others, I'm thrilled. I'm sure that for those who are listening, they, um, Guruji has brought them to this listening place. And for those who are touched, it's Guruji who has touched them. It touches me. Um, you know, when you're with Guruji, everything is Guruji, isn't it? And and we don't always think about that. We don't always think that it's Guruji who's who's brought me to this moment, and um, it's just divine. As as the motto for the Chela to Chela podcast um, has been initiated, it's a wonderful life with Guruji in it. And uh, fantastic, fantastic. Well, Jay, how shall we end this? Uh, it doesn't end, of course, because now we're in each other's consciousness, in the love of Guruji. Um, we've covered what Ma said were the two most important things, and that is to love God and give that love to all. Um, it's there. So I think let's end with a question that I, I sometimes ask, and that is, when you get to the other side, 
and your relationship in your sadhana, not so much the outside or who listens or doesn't listen, but in your own soul sadhana, what is it that you would like to be able to say and know about this incarnation of yours? I'd like to know that I brought more joy into people's lives by my presence on this planet. Okay, okay. And, and how does that uh, equate with your soul's journey? Because the question is really about your, um, shall we say, performance or rather experience of this incarnation. What you're, what you're asking is on many levels, and I'll, I'll give it to you on, on the level that is the most important. Okay. Our primary purpose is to reunite our soul spark with the divine flame. And in that process, our growing illumination sheds light on others in their process of growing illumination and vice versa. They shed light on, our, on us too. And my, my hope for myself in the context of your question is that when I meet master and I look at him, I would say to him, I hope that my life was as pleasing to you as you would have wanted it to be. Jai Guru, fantastic. There you go, down to the nitty gritty. And uh, fantastic. Yeah. All right, my dear, on that fine, fine thought, Jai yeah. Guru. Jai, Jai Guru. In thy light, thy light of home, I see your light, your holy light of home, and I remember my own. Yes, I remember my own true Well, dear friends, it's wonderful to hear these stories, isn't it? So, dear ones, please do share the podcast link with at least one other devotee and join us for the next episode where we will be meeting another uniquely devoted disciple of our beloved Master, Paramahansa Yogananda Ji. And if you would like entry to the private access pages where guest contact and other information is posted, just email to subscribe to the mailing list. The email address is subscribe at soulcallsinfinity.org. In closing, let us again listen to this quote of Master. Hundreds of thousands, not dozens merely, of Kriya Yogis are needed to bring into manifestation the world of peace and plenty that awaits men 
when they have made the proper effort to re-establish their status as sons of the Divine Father. Until next time, let us join together in affirming it's a wonderful life with Guruji in it. Jai Guru Jai. Thank you.